I'm excited to be here with you this morning as we kick off this new series for Easter. I think you're really going to enjoy it. It's titled, Witness the Resurrection. That's a pretty powerful video to get started here from Mary Magdalene, which is who we're going to be talking about today. But over the next several weeks, we're going to be viewing the resurrection through the eyes of five different eyewitness accounts, people that were there. Uh, from different viewpoints to tell the story of what they witnessed when the Christ resurrected. And for us as Christians, the resurrection's everything. The resurrection means everything to us. Without the resurrection, Jesus was just an ordinary man that somehow was able to perform miracles or deceive people. Without the resurrection, we have no hope for eternal life. Without the resurrection, Jesus wasn't who he said he was and who he claimed to be, the Son of God. So for us as believers, if you're a believer watching online or here in person today, the resurrection means everything to us. It's so crucial, the testimony that we're going to witness over these next five weeks as we lead up to the Easter season. People that had direct knowledge that the body of Jesus Christ was not stolen, as many rumors went around by his disciples. It wasn't stolen, but that he was actually alive, that he had risen from the dead. This morning, we're going to take an eyewitness account from Mary Magdalene. We're going to look through the eyes of Mary and witness the resurrection for ourselves. Mary Magdalene was mentioned in the gospel numerous times, but we don't know a lot about her background. We know that she was from Magdala, hence the name Mary Magdalene. And every time she's referenced in the Bible, she's referenced as Mary Magdalene or Mary of Magdala. That's probably a pretty good indicator that the authors of the gospel didn't know a whole lot about about her either. We know that Magdala was located on the northwest shore of the Sea of Galilee. So it's likely that either she lived there when she encountered Jesus for the first time, or maybe she was born and raised there and lived there her whole life. One thing that we do know about her is that she was the very first person to witness Jesus after he resurrected. So I want to start this morning in the book of Mark. If you have your Bibles, open it up to Mark chapter 16. Matthew, or Mark, excuse me, 16, we're going to start in verse 9, just read a few verses here. Mark 16, 9 says, when Jesus rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had driven seven demons. She went and told those who had been with him and who were mourning and weeping, And when they heard that Jesus was alive and that she had seen him, they did not believe. They didn't believe. So we know that Mary Magdalene was the first person to see Jesus alive after his crucifixion. And I think we just need to pause on that moment in history for a minute. Imagine what that would have been like. If you were the person that was chosen to witness alive for the first time the resurrected Christ. I think the only thing that we can even kind of picture this in our mind is John's description of the second coming of Christ in Revelation when he said that the face of Jesus was like the sun in all of its brilliance. 
I mean, Jesus must have appeared so brilliant, so radiant, so bright that Mary Magdalene probably had a hard time looking directly at him, but yet she couldn't turn away either. Here before her eyes was the resurrected king of heaven, the son of God, the prince of peace. All the despair, the heartache, the sorrow that she had experienced for the last three days from his death was gone in an instant because he was alive. But why did, why did God choose Mary Magdalene of all people for this honor? I mean, Peter probably would have been a, a pretty good candidate, right? I mean, if anybody felt terrible at this moment in history, it had to have been Peter. I mean, he, his very last memory of Jesus alive was of him denying even knowing him three times. There was probably nobody that was hurting as much as Peter. But what about the disciple John? I mean, Scripture says over and over again that Jesus loved him the most. Or maybe his mother, Mary. If they're going to choose a Mary, maybe Mary, his mother, would have been a better candidate. I mean, if you lose a child, there was nobody that was hurting more than his mother, Mary. I mean, this was a woman that God chose to raise the Son of God. Why didn't he also select her for this honor as well? Why Mary Magdalene, of all people? I think this short passage that we just read brings up two very good reasons why God chose Mary Magdalene. First of all, it says in the book of Mark that Mary Magdalene was a woman that Jesus had driven out seven demons from. Imagine that. Mary Magdalene had a life-altering experience with the Son of God. I mean, I can't even imagine what that would feel like to have seven evil spirits dwelling inside of you. And then all of a sudden, this man comes along, this teacher, this prophet, this redeemer named Jesus, and your life is completely different. It's restored. He takes all the broken pieces from your life and he puts them back together and restores your life. And you're completely different. You're made new. And only the power of Jesus has the ability to do that. Mary experienced that firsthand. I can't even imagine what got her to that point in life that she allowed seven evil spirits to dwell inside of her, but it couldn't have been good. She had to be living with a lot of sin in her life, a lot of shame, a lot of regret. People would have outcast her and distanced themselves from her. They would not have wanted anything to do with Mary Magdalene. And then along comes Jesus. And he changed her entire life, her, her entire outlook on life, her perspective on life. She was very much dead in this life and now she's very much alive. I'm pretty positive that most of us probably didn't come in here with seven demons living inside of us, but maybe you can relate to the guilt and the shame of past sin that's weighing on your life. Some things that you've done, some words that you've spoken, some sin that you've committed, people that you've wounded. And even if others have forgiven you, you can't quite find it in your heart to forgive yourself. And you feel like you don't deserve God's forgiveness or his grace. And you would be correct, you don't. You don't deserve that. 
But the grace of God is an amazing thing. The grace of God is able to immediately remove that weight, that burden, that shame and guilt from your life and restore you to new. When you experience the grace and the mercy of Jesus, the forgiving power of Jesus like Mary Magdalene did, it changes you forever. If you came in here this morning with that type of burden in your life, Jesus can remove it, just like he did with Mary Magdalene. She was forever changed from the day that she met Jesus. The other really important reason I think that Jesus chose her first to be revealed to was that it says in verse 10 of this passage that we just read, when, he, when she saw him, she went and told those who had been with him. She went. Mary, from the moment that she met Jesus during his ministry, she was healed by him. She became a faithful follower of Jesus. She met Jesus, she followed Jesus, and then she shared Jesus with everybody that she knew. And that's where I wanna spend most of my time this morning. What does it look like to have a life-altering experience with Jesus and then go and share that experience with everybody? To be a loyal follower a disciple for Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, I just pray this morning that your word speaks to our hearts. Lord, I just pray that your words come out of scripture and speak to our hearts this morning. There's people in this place, maybe people that are watching online that need to understand the grace of God, Lord. This life is not an easy one. It wasn't an easy one for Mary Magdalene and she was living in sin and had seven evil spirits dwelling inside of her until the day she met Jesus and she was made new and she changed her entire outlook on life, Lord. And that's what you can do for us very much so right now, today in 2023. The same spirit that, that interacted with Mary is here today in this place in your Holy Spirit. And so we just ask that you open our hearts, open our minds to your word and speak directly to each one of us in this place today. It's in your name I pray, amen. Mary Magdalene was mentioned in all four gospels, and it can get a little confusing. If you start reading through the gospels, there's a lot of Marys. Mary was a popular name during this time. We know that Mary was the mother of Jesus. We know that uh, there was also Mary, the mother of James and Joseph. There was Mary of Clopas. Mary, the sister of Martha and Lazarus. There was one Mary that they just referred to as the other Mary. I wouldn't want to be her, the, just the other Mary. And then we have Mary Magdalene. So when you're reading through Scripture, that's a lot, a lot of Marys. And who are they actually talking about? But every time that I read through Scripture preparing for this morning, when they discussed Mary Magdalene, that's how they referred to her as, Mary of Magdala or Mary Magdalene. There was only one person in all of scripture, scripture that referred to Mary just as her first name, and that was Jesus. Jesus was the only one that simply called her Mary. So by my account, as I was uh, preparing for this morning, Mary Magdalene is in all four gospels in well over 20 verses. And the, from the point that Jesus healed her body, she was in the presence of, the, of Jesus and his disciples wherever they went. She traveled with them. She ate with them. She was there when Jesus continued his ministry. She witnessed his miracles. She witnessed his betrayal. 
She was there at the crucifixion. She didn't turn her back on Jesus. When all the other disciples fled, she stayed behind. She was at the feet of the cross with mother, his, with his mother Mary and Mary of Clopas and John. She was there at the foot of the cross. Everyone else lay, left and she had stayed. She helped Joseph prepare the body of Jesus with perfumes and oils and spices. She was at the empty tomb. She witnessed the resurrection and then she went and informed all the disciples. And after Jesus ascended into heaven, she was there as the church spread among the nations with the disciples. She was always present. From the first time that she encountered Jesus, she was nearby. She was very much a faithful, loyal servant to Jesus and his ministry. I have two people in my life that I refer to as close walkers. I don't know if you've ever heard of this term or know anyone that's like this. One of these people is my daughter, so I'm not gonna embarrass her this morning because I feel like I do that enough from up here. But a close walker is someone that's not really in tune with personal space. So you're having a conversation with them, you're walking amongst maybe the sanctuary or out in the lobby, and they're right there. And if you stop, they smack right into you or step on your feet. And uh, the one person that, that does this is a good friend of mine. He was here visiting with me at the church this week, and I was showing him some of the new areas. And we were walking down the hallway, and I just paused enough to look into a classroom, and bam, he smacked right into me. And I, I thought about that this week that I would imagine that Mary was kind of like that close walking friend. And if you have a friend like that in your life, it can get pretty agitating, pretty annoying at times, but it would, wasn't annoying to Jesus. If it were you or I in this situation, Jesus probably would have said, listen Mary, you need to scram. You need to give me some space. You know, I healed you. What more do you want from me? Get gone. But Jesus had an abundance of patience and grace. He didn't mind her being that close walking friend alongside of her because he knew her heart. And her heart was one of love and adoration for the man who healed her body, mind, and her soul. Mary was always near Jesus. She consumed herself with being by his side but what does that look like for us? How can we be that close, that near to Jesus? I mean, if we read through scripture, seemingly it was easier for Mary. I mean, Jesus was physically there. He, he could be there nearby and she could be nearby his side at all times. But I'm here this morning to tell you that the power of the Holy Spirit is as real today as Jesus was to Mary back then. We can have that same relationship with Jesus this morning. We can have as close of a relationship with Jesus as Mary had with him. But it's up to us. We have to make him our priority. We have to pursue him. We have to seek after him. To spend quality time in the word every day. To spend quality time in prayer, talking to him every day. Because he's not like your mom or your dad or your boss that gets annoyed by you asking the same questions over and over again or praying for the same people over and over again. Jesus wants to have that relationship with you. He wants to have that constant communication with you on a daily basis. 
We have to pursue him daily in order to experience the life-changing power that Mary Magdalene experienced. Mary was always near to Jesus, but she wasn't just there physically. She also supported Jesus in his ministry. We don't know much about Mary's background, so we don't know if she had wealth. We don't know if she had a job or a family or what means of support that she had. All we know is that she was from Magdala and that she was possessed by seven demons and Jesus healed her. We don't know what resources that she had to provide, but we do know that whatever she had, she gave it to the ministry of Jesus. I want you to look at Luke chapter eight with me real quick. Luke chapter eight, starting in verse one, the first three verses here. It says, after Jesus, after this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. And the 12 were with him. And also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out. Joanna, the, woman, the wife of Cusa, the manager of Herod's household. Susanna and many others. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. So she followed Jesus from town to town during his ministry. And along with other, a few other women, she supported him by whatever means she had. And we know that at least one of these women, Joanna, her husband was the provider, the manager for Herod's household. So we can assume that she probably provided out of wealth. But we don't know if Mary provided financial support or maybe she just provided supplies and food for their trips. But my heart says that it was a lot more than that. I believe that she provides support in the means of encouragement for Jesus. And we know that from scripture that Jesus often got frustrated with his disciples for their lack of energy, their lack of understanding. They couldn't stay awake for prayers. They couldn't discern what Jesus was saying. And these are all things that women excel at. Wisdom and discernment and an abundance of energy and empathy towards others. Something you've probably noticed, even if you've come to Grace Fellowship for a short amount of time, is that all of the pastors here on staff have amazing wives. We have wives that are encouraging, supportive, and faithful to their husbands and their ministry and to the ministry of Jesus here at this church. You know, when I told my wife a few years ago that I felt like God was calling me away from my career and into a new career in ministry, she didn't question that. This was at a time where I was just getting comfortable in my career and now God's sending me down a different path and she didn't say, hold up, let's, let's talk about this for a little bit. Maybe this isn't such a great idea right now. Now her response to that was, who am I and who are you to question God, to say no to God? And if this is what God is calling you to do, then we need to pursue it. I'm so thankful and appreciative for the women who are supportive to my ministry and supportive to the ministry of Jesus here at this church. My wife, my, my mother over the years was very supportive. Uh, my sisters, I have a niece that is really supportive and, and every time I talk to my niece throughout the week, she lives in Maryland, the last thing she always says on the phone call is, 
stay prayed up. She always reminds me to pray because she's incredibly loyal to Jesus and to his ministry and she's serving him right now. The women in this room right now and in our church that prayed over that transition for me from my current career into ministry full time, I, I can't put how appreciative I am of that into words. And I imagine Jesus would have appreciated that sort of support system as well. Women who surrounded him in prayer. Women who walked beside him as the living, breathing example of his healing powers. Simply being in his presence every day would have been a constant reminder. It would have been uplifting and encouraging to his ministry. Mary supported Jesus. She prayed for him. She provided him strength and encouragement when the disciples had none left to give. And women are so good at this because God made them for that purpose. So it's safe to assume that Mary provided him with not just financial support, but also encouragement when he needed it the most. Mary was near to Jesus. She supported Jesus in his ministry. But most importantly, the best quality of Mary was that she loved Jesus above all else. When Jesus died, she was heartbroken. When he was buried, she mourned. When she witnessed his resurrection, she couldn't contain herself. She went and told his disciples what she had witnessed. She witnessed, she was the first to witness the resurrection. That alone is proof that she loved Jesus above all else. Jesus didn't show up to people who didn't truly love him. After his resurrection, he didn't come to Pilate or the centurion guards or the Pharisees. He only showed up to his faithful followers, the people that loved him more than anything. And I think the lesson to be learned there is that if we don't love Jesus above all else, that we too will miss the resurrection. We too will miss the second coming of Christ. Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven 37 says, Jesus, he commanded that we love the Lord our God with all of our heart, all of our soul, and all of our mind. And Mary lived out that passage of scripture. She loved Jesus above all else with all of her heart, all of her soul, all of her mind. And why was she doing that? Because Jesus first loved her above all else. Jesus loves you. He cares about your problems and your troubles right now. Whatever you're experiencing, he cares. He loves you. Many of you know, a little over a year ago, I lost my mother after a brief illness. And this was probably the hardest, it was the hardest season of my life that I ever went through. I spent several weeks, several months actually driving two hours each way down to Hagerstown, Maryland just to be able to see my mom through a glass window at the hospital. To be able to talk on a phone and just have her hear my voice. To sit out in the parking lot outside of her hospital room and pray with other believers and family members because of COVID restrictions, we couldn't get inside. And I remember the hardest part of that season in my life was not 
realizing that she was probably going to die because I, I was reassured. I knew where she was going. I knew she was going home with Jesus. That, that wasn't the hardest part. The hardest part was understanding that she would no longer be here with me on earth, that we would be separated for a short period of time. And I remember driving home, those two hours was the hardest part. Driving home, wanting to just pick up the phone and talk to her, and I couldn't. And I remember Jesus was always faithful to show me his abundant love during this time. I would put on my Spotify playlist on my car, and as I was driving home by myself, inevitably there was one song that would always come on that would speak to my heart. And I would just play it over and over and over again. It was a song by Jeremy Camp. It's titled, Here With You. I don't know if you're familiar with this song or not. It's a song written from the perspective of a friend speaking to someone that was going through pain like I was. And in that song it says, there's nothing really that I can say. Words just can't replace the loss or take the pain away. It's so hard to see the plan what the Father's gonna do. All I know in this moment, yes, I know, he's weeping here with you. And walking through that season, I would would picture my friends. I had some really good friends um, at this church that were praying over me, and I pictured those individuals singing those words to me. And it brought joy to my heart just knowing that I had people like that in my life. But now, almost two years removed from it, I understand who was singing those words to me. It was my best friend, Jesus. Jesus was singing these words over and over in my heart to comfort me, to let me know that he was there in that moment and he was weeping with me. That song continues towards the end. It says, one day we will never say goodbye again. One day we won't feel the pain of sin and death. One day, someday, everything will all make sense. But until then, I'm here weeping with you. Jesus is here with you. He cares about you. He's your best friend. Jesus was Mary's best friend. She experienced an event in her life that altered the future for her. And from that moment forward, she just went where he, she had to be where he was at. She had to be in his presence at all times. She followed him. She loved him. She cared about him above all else. And then she shared him with others. All four accounts of the gospel share Mary Magdalene's testimony of witnessing the resurrection. Two out of those four say say specifically that she was the first to witness this event. We read, we started uh, this this message this morning reading uh, the Gospel of Mark. I wanna, as we begin to wrap up here, I wanna read Mary's experience through the Gospel of John. So if you have your Bible, turn with me to John chapter 20. We're going to start in verse 10, John 20, verse 10. If you read the first nine verses of that passage, it says that Mary showed up at the tomb early on the first day of the week, which was Sunday, 
and the stone had been rolled away, and she instantly fled to, to, um, to go to get Peter and John and bring them to the tomb. And I always get a kick when I read these first nine verses out of the description and the detail that, that John put into this foot race that occurs between Peter and the apostle John. And they're running and they're racing and not only did Peter deny Christ three times, but he wasn't prepared for this foot race that was about to take place. And he finishes second. He, he should have trained a little bit harder. And they arrive at the tomb and they assume that Jesus' body had been stolen. But when John saw that folded up linen at the head of the body of Jesus, where Jesus had once uh, laid, he believed. He knew what had took place. He knew that Jesus resurrected. He couldn't quite understand why Jesus had to do that, even though he had said many times when he was on earth what was to take place and why this had to take place he still didn't completely understand it but he did believe and then in verse 10 it says the disciples then went back to their homes but Mary stood outside the tomb crying as she wept she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been one at the head and the other at the foot and they asked her woman why are you crying they have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. Woman, he said, why are you crying? Who is it that you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. And Jesus said to her, Mary. Just calls her by her first name, Mary. And instantly she knew. She turned around, she cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, do not hold on to me for I have not yet returned to my father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them I am returning to my father and your father, to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. Mary, again, in her loyalty and devotion to Jesus, went and told the disciples what she had seen and what Jesus had said to her. It's true. I saw it with my own eyes. He is alive. I witnessed the resurrection. And it's obvious from this passage of Scripture that Jesus is the top priority in the life of Mary. My challenge for you this morning as we begin to close is where does he rank on your list of priorities? I want you to spend some time this morning, maybe right now as we're beginning to close or find a quiet place this afternoon after lunch, somewhere there on your notes page or in your journal, write down your top five priorities in your life. And if Jesus isn't at the very top of that list, it's time to reprioritize. Because Jesus is the only thing that you can put on that list that's eternal. Not your car, not your jobs, not your family, not anything that you see around you, not even this beautiful house of worship. These things will all perish except for Jesus. 
Is it time that you reprioritize your life? Or maybe if you're honest with yourself, is it time that you add Jesus to the list? Maybe he's not even in your top five. Maybe you don't have a personal relationship with him and you don't know him at all. And that would be tragic because we don't know what's gonna happen the next day, the next hour, minute, second. Jesus is the only thing that you could possibly put on that list that is eternal. Mary was 100% faithful to Jesus because Jesus was 100% faithful to her. She was simply imitating Christ's love. If Jesus isn't on that list, you need to allow yourself to witness the power, the resurrecting power of Jesus Christ this morning. Allow him to change your life like he did Mary. Allow him to come into your heart and start following him like Mary did. I wanna finish this morning with just one more passage of scripture. It's also in John. You just gotta turn to the left a little bit into John 11. And I would like to finish this morning with the very words of Christ. In John 11, we're gonna read verse 25 and 26. Jesus, in this passage of scripture, is having a conversation with Martha, the sister of Lazarus, And she's pretty frustrated, pretty disappointed in Jesus. And she said to Jesus, if you had just come a little bit earlier, my brother would be alive. And Jesus' response to that was, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. In these words, Jesus spoke to Martha. He's speaking to them to you as well this morning. Listen to his words carefully. He says to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? It's a simple question. Do you believe this? Do you believe that Jesus is who he said he was? the son of God that came down to be born of a virgin, to be both God and man, and he came down here to show us how to live our lives, to be the example, the perfect example for us. And then he went to the cross to put all your sins, to put all my sins, to put the sins of the world of all time on his shoulders and to bear that burden. And then three days later, Like Mary Magdalene witnessed, he became alive again. He resurrected from the dead. Do you believe this? And if you do, and you haven't accepted Jesus, right now is your opportunity as we close in prayer to just have that personal conversation with Jesus. He doesn't mind you being that close walker, that close friend, that you're not gonna be that burden to him. He wants you right now to ask for forgiveness of your sins, to wipe it away, take that burden off your plate. Let me pray for you. Lord, we are so thankful this morning for your word. We're so thankful for your example. We're so thankful that you did indeed come down from heaven and live this life out. Lord, you loved us so much. You still love us. Your presence is still as real today as it was for Mary Magdalene. I thank you for going to the cross 
Lord, I ask that you speak to the hearts of the people watching here this morning, the people in this place this morning. If there's sin in our lives, that we just ask you to remove it. That we do believe this morning that you are the Son of God, that you came down from heaven, that you bore our sins across your shoulders, that you died on the cross, and that you were resurrected in three days. Lord, we believe that, and we ask you to forgive us of our sins this morning. Whatever sin that was weighing on our hearts, that you remove it, and that you forgive us and help us to now take this gift of grace that you've provided and to share it with others. To follow you as close by as Mary did, to live it out, and to follow you, Jesus. You're so wonderful. We're not undeserving of it. We are so undeserving of it, Lord, but you are so perfect and so wonderful. And so we just thank you for your grace and your mercy and your salvation this morning. We thank you, Lord. We glorify you. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.